I want to say hello to the Shekinah Glory 2 in Oregon. I pray that your weather is lovely as ours will be today and you all be blessed. Anybody else that picks this up on the internet? Hallelujah. Okay, glory to God. It's a wonderful day. Amen. We're one day closer to the rapture. Thank God. Glory to God, it's getting short. Well, I'm glad some of you are happy about it. Some of you just might be dismayed. Not, not, that, not, not quit. Not that quick, I should say. Okay, let's look at the nugget for this morning. Daily prayers. Daily prayers help dissolve. Daily prayers help dissolve your cares. So what do you need to do? Pray. With that thought in mind, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, as we look to your word, that your Holy Spirit is here to open our eyes of our understanding, Father God, that, may, that we may glean, Father God, from your word, greater revelation. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been looking at the foundation that we need to have as believers because many believers are kind of uh, being... <laughs> dusted away from the, the, their foundation. So we just, we said we, we'll start looking at our foundations. We started that two weeks ago. Did you say dusting away? I said dusting away, fading away, whatever, how you want to put it. Um, that's why we're going to look at, once again, Second Timothy chapter 3. We began with this. At 2 Timothy chapter 3, looking at verse 16, I'm going to read from the Amplified. Every scripture of God is breathed, given by his inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for reproof, and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for uh, training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. So God's word is all inspiring. So we started with the book of what? Genesis. I you start with Genesis. Do we have to start over again? We started with the book of Genesis. We said there was five. We broke down the... Uh, the Bible into two sections. It's the Old Testament, New Testament. We started with the Old Testament, and we said that there are, the first five books are called uh, the books of Moses. They're Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The second set of books that uh, we discussed was the historical books. Um, they comprise of Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And then the third uh, set of books that we looked at or talked about were the five poetic books, starting with Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastics, and Song of Solomon. And the fourth book uh, we just touched on last week, and we'll just touch on them again. They are the five major prophet uh, books. So... Um, this is the foundation that God has given us, his word. Um, again, the term major refers to length, not importance of these books, the major prophets. Uh, again, a true prophet was called and equipped by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit to perform his job, to speak God's message, to confront people with sin, warning of coming judgment and the consequences if God's people refuse to repent and obey. Prophets also brought a message of hope and future blessing. 
the first uh, of the major prophets was or is, I should say, Isaiah. Isaiah preached the message of hope, but he is best known for his prophecies, prophecies about the intermediate and dis- distant future, or the future that we're living in now. Uh, the first 48 chapters of Isaiah addresses Israel while they are in covenant uh, uh, relationship with God. The next chapters, next nine chapters, is addressed to the nations, all the world that uh, we know. And then after that, the remaining chapters of Isaiah address once again Israel when they are brought back into relationship with God. So, glory to God, hallelujah. Okay, then the next book is after Isaiah. Anybody can tell me what it is? Come on, you got your Bible. This is an open book test. Jeremiah, okay. The book of uh, Jeremiah, or Jeremiah the prophet, uh, he confronted people who had rejected God. Jeremiah had to deal with lying prophets, and he was called a traitor and heretic. He used visual aids to reinforce his message. He is known as the weeping prophet because his burden was so heavy and the people would not listen to him. They also tried to kill him, so that's, uh, you know... Bad news there. He had periods of depression over his fa- these failures of the people not coming around. Um, he, didn't wa- he did not want to be a prophet. So let's go to the book of Jeremiah for a moment. I'd like to cut in here a little bit if I could. Okay. As you read the book of Jeremiah, it's a good book for ministers to read because I know a lot of ministers right now are feeling very... Um, I don't want to, they don't want to say they're depressed, but they're very concerned about the lack of attendance and the lack of interest in the things of God. And this is a good book for them to read. Um, as he confronted the, the people who had rejected God and they didn't like him too much either, if I'm not. And so it was such a burden to him. They caught, you know, he was known, he cried a lot. And if you really, truly are a shepherd, you'll, you will find yourself crying a lot for people, especially when they backslide. It's very painful to watch someone go through something like this. So think of that in mind, you know, if you ever get discouraged about someone or whatever, think, go back and read Jeremiah for a while and it'll help you out. So I would like to add a little bit when you get to Hosea. Okay, we'll get there. Uh... We've got a little ways to go from that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 20. Now, like I said, Jeremiah didn't, didn't want to be a spokesman for God. <laughs> but something happened. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, it says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. In other words, the burden was there. It was burning in his bosom. It was a fire. He had to speak it out. Even though he didn't want to, he had to speak it out. Now, each and every one of us should ask for that burning desire to be able to speak out for God. Amen? Okay. um, He... he, uh, His is an example of total faithfulness to God, regardless of personal uh, desires or circumstances. You know. Okay. Now the next book after Jeremiah, you might as well turn to it. It's on. Yeah, I just want to show while you're turning there. This is this is how this is how heavy this was on him in verse nine and ten. Then I said, I will not make mention, I'm talking about Jeremiah, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart, as like Pastor said, and as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary and forbearing, and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming of, of many, the defaming of many, fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it, and all my familiars watch for my halting, saying, Peradventure he will be enticed, and he shall 
not, and he shall prevail against him, and he will, and he shall take our revenge on him. I mean, this is a heavy-duty thing this guy was asked to do. When you stop and think about this, and he did it. You know, when you when you really read about him, you go, whoa. I guess you know who. What was Isaiah the one that God told to run around naked, and he did? There was two. Two, two of prophets them? did that. Two? Who's the other one? You'll find out if I get there. Okay, and then uh, we, we now, after Jeremiah, we go to the book of uh, Lamentations. And it says the Lamentations of Jeremiah. So this is something that he was going uh, through. It is, a, is, it is the work of one who has a broken heart and his appeal for divine help and hope. He identifies himself with guilt and suffering as personal, uh, with personal things going on. Uh, that means he identified himself with, with the, the nation of Israel and, and all, of, all the bad things. And Lamentations now is, in the Jewish calendar, is, is to mourn the destruction of Jerusalem. So when, the, when, when they read in the Jewish calendar, they have something on that. I thought that was quite interesting. Okay, after the book of Lamentations, what do you find? The book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel is a colorful prophet. Um, he used pantomiming a lot. He would cry and wail and flail his hands around. He ate a scroll. I mean, you know, that's pretty wild. And did many unusual arresting graphic details to burn his message into the hearts and minds of the people. Uh, Ezekiel forms the important background for many of the passages in the New Testament. So that's an interesting book uh, to read. Oh, they're all interesting. Okay, after Ezekiel, what book do you find? We're just going to go one after another here. So you know I'm not skipping any. Ezekiel, and then we find who? Daniel, all right. I haven't found it yet. Okay, it's I found it in my Bible. It's right after Ezekiel. It's right. Okay, Daniel. Um, God had made Israel to be the center of the uh, system for all the nations. In other words, all the nations were to look up to Israel. That's why he chose Israel. But the consequences of Israel, uh, persistence to go to into idolatry, um, Israel misses out. They miss. They missed the boat, so to speak. Thus, the prophecies of this book cover the period of human history named by the Lord as the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles. So let's look at, uh, keep your hand there in Daniel. Let's go to the book of Luke. Jesus speaks of it in Luke chapter 21. Jesus is speaking in verse 24. That's Luke 21, 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and they shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And that's what we're in the period that we're in now. Okay. Uh, the prophecies cover the whole period of the divine commitment of dominion of the earth through the Gentiles. Right now, uh, Israel is not in control. The Gentiles are, the Gentile world, okay? They represent the, the successive Gentile kingdoms which do, will dominate until the return of Christ and he, when he uh, starts his thousand-year reign. So we are in that Gentile period right now. Okay. Twenty-four. If you want to go from there, she's going to take us back to Luke 20, twenty-one, twenty-four, and she's going to add something there. Okay, where did you stop? I just read twenty-four, verse twenty-four. Well, Luke. we got to look at first verse nineteen that he says, "In your patience, possess ye your souls. In your patience." And I, you know, I've been reading through. The, re the writings of Paul recently, and I'm like, wow, 
it talks about patience continually. Okay, you stopped where? I'm sorry. Verse 24. 24. Okay. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and on the stars and upon the earth distresses of nations with perplexities, the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after these, those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, your, look up lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. Here he's talking about the things that are going to happen right before he comes. We are to be looking, lifting our heads right now, for our redemption draweth nigh. Amen. But go back. To 19, in your patience possess your souls, your soul, your mind, will, emotions, and your intellect. You cannot allow the enemy to get into your soul and start harassing you with what's going on or trying to bring fear or trying to bring whatever. You've got to, in patience, you've, you've got to possess your soul. You've got to take, you've got to take authority over it. <coughs> Say, no, I'm not going there. I will not. I refuse to fear. I refuse to become concerned when I see these things because I know that I'm right with God. I'm hanging on to God no matter what. No matter what goes on, no matter what we see. You know, a lot of people became very fearful at that brownout we had not too long ago. Remember that? The lights went down. It stayed real dim for a while. A lot of people were fearful during that time. They were concerned that it was all over the world like that. These are the kinds of things that are going to cause people to become fearful. And right now the Lord's teaching us how to possess our soul. Amen? It's very important. I can't tell you how important it is. Because I get phone calls from different people, not here, but different people that are really concerned. And I just say, you know, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. With patience... Possess your soul. Hallelujah. Thank you, dear, for letting me Okay, that. now turn to the book of Romans. Keep your hand there back there, <clears throat> Daniel. In Romans chapter 11, we're going to see why the Gentiles are to be in, given dominion. Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it says, Paul writes, and I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own uh, conceit. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be, uh, come in. Um, this Romans 11.25 gives us a hint as to God's purpose in the time of the Gentiles. The spreading of the gospel through the, the, gospel through the whole world. When the Jewish people rejected Christ, they were temporarily cut off from the blessings and relationship with God. As a result, the gospel was given to the Gentiles, and they gladly received it. When the time is right, God will restore the entire nation of Israel, when the, and they will come to faith in him, and the end of the, the times of the Gentiles will cease. So right now, since... Israel did not go out there and share the good news about the Lord. They did their own thing. It was given to us, the Gentiles, and now we, the Gentile nations, mainly the United States, has spread the gospel throughout the world. So this, this, when this is shut off, when the rapture takes place, then the, the, Israel will once again be the predominant nation, and they will have the opportunity to go out into the whole world to share the good news of the gospel. And uh, that's where you get the 144,000 Jews that are going to go out throughout the world and share the good news of the gospel. Amen. Glory to God. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, oops, let me go back here.
You going next to 12? Okay. We are in the, what book I told you to hold on to? Daniel. The book of Daniel. All right, we just spoke about that. Let's go to the book of, the next book after Daniel. Who? Hosea. Okay. Somebody's had a question mark. Is your Bible mixed up or something? You go to Daniel to Philippians? No, it's, it should go to Hosea. Okay. Hosea the prophet foresaw Israel's exile to Assyria and actually witnessed some of it, this thing happening. He was the last prophet that God raised up in Israel to try to get, to try to get the people to repent of their idolatry. At God's direction, Hosea marries a girl named Gomer. She is an unfaithful she is unfaithful to him as Israel is unfaithful to God. We'll say something now or do you want me to finish? Go ahead and finish. Okay. Gomer leaves Hosea for other lovers. And Hosea marriage and their marriage, three children are fostered. Only one is his. Hosea continues to love and forgive Gomer. This is a picture of God as a loving husband who yearns desperately to have a faithful wife. Now you want to share what you want right. to Right. Okay. Let's go ahead to Hosea chapter 1 and go to verse 2. God doesn't say this to everybody. I want you to know this, okay? So, unless God tells you to, to go here, you're not, you know, if someone commits adultery on you, you're kind of released, the Bible says. In the beginning, the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium, and conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. So this man had a special calling. I mean, can you imagine God telling you to go out and, and marry a prostitute? And that she is going to continually commit adultery on you. And this, this I, I really respect this guy, I really do. He's one of, when I read through the Bible, I, this, this, this gentleman I really respected because he did what God told him to do. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. And so I just wanted to share that. Um, as you read through it, you'll see how every time he just loved her and kept continually loving her as Christ loves us. How many times? You know, Pastor sings a, a song um, on Easter sometimes that, do you still feel the, the pain? I, that, you know, we all end up crying during that song, but it's, it's true. But we, we're covered with the blood. And I look at this and I see just, I can't even imagine me being told, go marry a prostitute. Well, anyway, it wouldn't happen to me. But anyway, a man being told that, Go marry a prostitute, and she's going to bear other people's children. I want you to take her back, and every time she goes off, I want you to take her back and love her. That is how God loves us. When you look at that, I mean, I just it, that book shows me the love of Father God. All the books do, but this one really ministered to me when I read it. Okay, handsome. Okay. Um. Here comes the next good one. Next book is? Joel. Joel. <coughs> the day of the Lord is the major theme of this book. God's wrath, which, is, which will be poured out upon the nations. Notice it, it didn't say Israel, but upon the nations. Good thing we're not going to be here. Uh, Peter quotes Joel 2.28 through 32 about the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So if you want to find out what's going to happen to the nations 
part of it is right there in Joel. Right after Joel is the book of Amos. Glory to God. Amos sees Israel's judicial system is corrupt. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> there was arrogance in the affluent. There was greed and dishonesty among the merchants. And the religious class was in apathy. Amos warning to worshipers because of their sin. This is a timeless message. It, it reoccurs. And we are living in that type of uh, situation. Okay. Right after Amos, we find the book of... Can I say something? What do you need? Okay. This is why I say, you'll know when the prophet comes on the land. And it should be happening pretty soon here. Because we're right similar to what Amos had to deal with. And you notice that the judicial system was corrupt. There was arrogance, like he said, dishonesty. And he, he prophesied against, he had to go out and deal with this. You'll know. When, when, when the prophet comes on the land, this is how it's going to be dealt with, and everybody's going to hear about it. It's, it's going to be known. Someone's going to, God will give someone, or many, I don't know, the boldness to go and stand and proclaim What's about ready to take happen? What's about ready to happen? So, we need to prepare ourselves for this, because we are in the last days, and and I don't believe that it's. I believe there'll. Me personally, I believe there'll be something that happens before the two prophets come, go to Israel. You know, Moses or or um, and Elijah or Pastor believes it's who. Enoch and Elijah. You know, some people believe it's Moses and Elijah, and some people believe it's Enoch and Elijah, but whichever two, they'll do signs and wonders and, and die and then be raised from the dead and things. But I really believe when, when we really do see a prophet in this land, they are going to deal with what's going on in this land in a very prophetic way. I mean, just flat out prophesy over it, and it will happen. Okay. Okay, after the book of Amos, we find which book? Obadiah. Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament. One chapter. <laughs> okay. Obadiah predicts, uh, prediction concerned the destruction of Edom. That's verses 1 through 16. And the restoration of Israel, verses 17 through 21. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Esau was the brother of who? Jacob. Okay, okay. Some of you look at me, okay. The hate for the descendants of Jacob and the heartless action, verses 10 through 14, stir up God's anger and indignation against them. Today there are no Edomites. Uh, but Symbolically, Edomites still persist in the nations surrounding Israel today. There's a hatred. They say, we want to wipe you off the map, drive you into the sea, kill every one of you. So that the Edomite, the, you could say, uh, the spirit, of them. spirit is upon these others. Okay, Right after Obadiah comes who? Jonah. The man that took a ride in the belly of a fish, okay? God calls Jonah. He is the only prophet that has been sent to the Gentiles. Wow, listen to that. He is the only prophet that's been sent to the Gentiles. He is to go to uh, Nineveh and denounce its wickedness. But he fled in the op opposite direction, not wanting success of his preaching to cause God to show his mercy upon Nineveh. Main reason because they were already, Nineveh was a strong, uh, it was a strong uh, Assyrian city. And uh, they controlled Israel. And he didn't want 
the control of Israel. That way, you want Israel to be number one. Well, it's the same we would say. We wouldn't want another nation to control us. So they would say, you go preach to them. No, no, let them go to, yeah, let them go there. <laughs> he says, I'm not going there. So he gets, you know, goes away. But the entire city, what, what happened to the entire city? Anybody remember? They, they repented. They fast and repented. They fasted. Uh, they even forced the animals to fast. Okay. Although God has a special relationship with Israel, he shows his compassion to other nations or the Gentiles nations we, hear, we see here. Uh, this is something that we have to learn here as Christians. We are often pushed into the wrong course of action by false religious and righteous zeal. Well, you need to pray for this individual. I don't want to pray for that individual. They can go down. Okay. Anybody ever felt that way? We, we're not supposed to be that way. That's the way Jonah was. I'm not going to pray for them. And then, and then when they do repent, uh, he's, he's all mad about it. He goes pouting. And so God gets a, uh, a gourd to shade him. And he's all happy about it. And then when the gourd dies, he's, he's all mad about it because it died. <sighs> so forth. So we have to watch ourselves. Okay? There's something that as Christians we need to watch. When we're called to pray for somebody, let's do it. Keep our, our feelings out of it. Okay, right after Jonah comes who? Micah. Micah's message is like that of... Amos, he denounces ethical sins, corruption, greed. True prophets were to keep quiet. The people were so insensitive to the problems that they believed God would overlook their sins and defend them. Oh, brother. How many people are that way today? You find backsliders that feel that, well, God's going to do it because I'm a believer. You know, I'm just a little bit on the outside right now, but God's still with me. That's not what the word says. You walk out from under God's umbrella of protection, you're going to find the devil's reign come upon you. Okay? Michael's message reminded them of the consequences of the na their national sin, which was idolatry to the max. Okay. The next book after Micah is Nahum. You remember... Nineveh? Nineveh. We just spoke of Nineveh with Jonah. So, Nahum is talking about Nineveh. It's 150 years later. And they are called once again to repentance, but they have turned back to their old ways. King Shrekabim, I can't pronounce his name correctly, but that's, <laughs> I'm going you, to, you'll find him in, in the book of Kings to find out. <laughs> He's at the door to destroy Israel. And Hezekiah prays that one prayer. Lord, don't, don't let him, don't let him. And God, God changes it. That, that the Assyrian army, uh, Shrekabim, and Sarah's army are turned back. He says, well, we'll come back for you. Remember? He has, the, his, he has his men talk in Hebrew to the, the men on the, on the city walls and say, uh, talk to them in Hebrew and say, you are done for just because uh, we have destroyed every nation that we came to. Their kings were nothing. You're going to be destroyed just like them. And so Hezekiah prays and God changes it and makes... Uh, Shrekab says, oh, we've got an we've outbreak over here, so we need to go over there. And they go there, and they get defeated. And Shrekabib, whatever his name is, those that are good readers, spellers, you'll get it right. I think <laughs> he goes to back to Nineveh. Or Nineveh, pardon me. We'll get it together. He goes back there, and guess what happens? 
He died while well, he's murdered there. He got murdered by two, in, two of his closest individuals, his sons. Whoa, are you learning something about history today? So that was... Uh, I, I think yeah. it's Senecabib. Senec. Oh, Sam. Shabib. We'll call him Sam. Some of these names. Boy. Okay. The message is that those who arrogantly, arrogantly ignore and resist God will taste his wrath, but those who trust in him will be saved by his love. Amen. Okay, right after Nahum comes the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Again, Habakkuk sees injustice, violence, and law breaking go unpunished. I mean, we see the things happening in our in our country now. All these lawbreakers and all these people. I mean, you got you got a mayor down in San Diego that's that's done all sorts of trashy things and he won't give he won't resign even though they've, he could be convicted of a bunch of stuff but he won't resign we've got other people in other places that have done stupid things you got an individual in new york that's trying to run from for governor or mayor that has done a bunch of stupid things and people are are still wanting these individuals to stay into office so there's injustice there's violence there's law breaking and they go unpunished so Habakkuk questions God, why is this permitted? So you might want to read Habakkuk and find out why are things permitted in our country like, like it's going. God's response to his complaint forms the subject of this book. So if you want to read something, why things are going on that are not punished right away, read Habakkuk, you'll find out. Because past things... Or just as equal to ours. Can I, I read one little part here, please? Okay, she wants to read one part. Okay. In Habakkuk, what? Yeah. Habakkuk chapter chap 1, verse 5. This, is, this amazes me that the Lord had to say it this way. Look around you, Habakkuk, replied the Lord, among the nation, and see, and be astonished, astounded, for I am putting into effect a work in your days such as you would not believe it if you, if I, it, if, it were told you. I mean, he's telling him, you wouldn't even believe it if I told you what I'm, what, what's around you. I mean, that's a heavy thing. You know, I think about God has to look down at everything. Everything. We just see a little minute thing, but God has to look at every perverse, hideous thing that goes on in the world. And thank God he sees the believers through the blood. And I can't even imagine, imagine him having to look at everything, but he's telling him, look at around, look around you back, replied the Lord, among the nations and see and be astonished, astounded, for I'm putting into effect a work in your days, such as you would not believe if it were told you. God is so powerful. You know, when you, read, when you read the prophets and the things that God did, and sometimes we think, God, are you going to do this for me? You know, people need to read through this and see what God did and, and go, wow. And we're concerned about something that seems so huge to us, but compared to these other things, God just went in there and just dealt with it. And that he'll do, he'll do the same for us. Hallelujah. Okay. Sewing up uh, or closing up Habakkuk again. Um, God's response to his complaint forms the subject of this book. God's past actions with his people and, the, and his future deliverance of them are all included in the book of Habakkuk. The, book, the next book that we look at is one of the Z-boys, Zephaniah. Zephaniah addresses the moral condition of the people who have, deeply, who have deeply divided religious loyalties, all neglecting the God of their fathers, Abraham, Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? 
compromising the word of God with religions of the East. God is not pleased, joining themselves to idols and is as just judgment. The very nations whom Israel should have saved became agents by whom their privileges were lost. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. What are we doing today? We are trying to, some, some Christians are trying to mix Islam and Christianity together. That's wrong. So the message in Zephaniah is, is true for us today also. God is slow to anger and he bears much patience with, with us and with the nations. But there's going to be a time when it's all going to come to an end. Okay, right after Zephaniah. We have the book of Haggai. In the book of Haggai, they are rebuilding the temple at Jerusalem. The theme, this is the theme of the book of Haggai, re rebuilding the temple. Haggai has four messages in, in this book. The first and third messages explain why the land has no productivity. It's because the temple lays in ruins. The land is still unclean. And the people were more into building their own things or houses than they are of God's house. They were reluctant to build God's house, okay? The, the second and fourth message uh, that Haggai has our words of assurance that God was supporting the project. So build a house. And then he would prosper them as they would. So as you build God's house, you'll be prosper. That goes for today, today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, then we come to the next Z-boy, which is Zechariah. I'm glad you're all out there. Some of you are taking Z's, I think. Can I um, share something about Haggai for a second? Okay, she's going to share something on you know, Haggai. Pastor kind of skimmed over it, but I've noticed for those that will build God's house, take their finances and put it into God's house and God's work, God just blesses them super abundantly above all that they could dare ask or think. I mean, they think they're going to get something. They go look at things and it's, it's nice and they like it, but God goes, no, 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 no. I'm giving you much more, much greater, much greater than you can imagine. He does that to bless you. The more you, the more you build his house, the more he blesses you. Because his thoughts towards us are mighty. His thoughts towards us are great. He, wants, he doesn't want you to have the lesser. He wants you to have the, the best. He wants you to have a, more than you could even think, dream, or speak of. That's his desire for you, to give you more than you could even think of. So when you're thinking of something, always know that God has a plan to give you super abundantly above all that you dare ask or think. That's his desire. Amen. And it's so important that we wait upon him and allow him to do it because he will, he will move hands. He will move people that you would least expect him to move to to be a blessing for you. So I just wanted to add that on there because you see that in the book of Haggai. Okay. Okay. Here comes Zechariah. The next Z boy is Zechariah. Now Haggai rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Zechariah rebuilds the city of Jerusalem. And the, after the judgment, okay, the judgment bore fruit. The exiles returned from idolatry and acknowledged the justice of punishment. Again, judgment of the nations is foretold. So what's going to take place after the rapture, okay? Then we turn after Zechariah, we come to the final book of the Old Testament, which is, anybody? Malachi, thank you. This book reveals the corruption that invaded the Hebrews shortly after the restoration of both the temple and Jerusalem. 
The enthusiasm that marked the Jews' return to Jerusalem a hundred years prior was gone. They didn't have any more enthusiasm. Oh, the temple's built, Jerusalem's built. We are, you know, there's no more enthusiasm there. Uh, this proves, as history affirms, that reformations and revivals are short-lived. You look at the, you can look at throughout the, uh, the period of time that we have known about revivals. They were short-lived, maybe 20 years sometimes. Some of them lasted, some were five or six years, but they're short-lived, they never last, okay? It's, it also demonstrates the corruption of the natural heart. They had been just delivered from captivity and blessed in the land with abundance, yet they questioned, questioned God's love, treated him with contempt, did not, and put his worship aside, and did not follow the law. Micah's answer, answers their doubts with God deals with the sin. Malachi. Pay your tithes, obey him, and see how he will bless you. Now, as we close up on, on the Old Testament here, in some aspects, the word of Elijah still rings true. So let's all, since uh, closing, let's go all the way back to the, uh, First Kings. So, wow, way back there. I think this is uh, quite appropriate even today. In First Kings chapter 18, <laughs> First Kings chapter 18. Look at verse 21. Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt thou between ye two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal be, follow him. And the people answered him not a word. It's the same today. If God is God, follow him. Don't go playing around someplace else. Follow him wholly. Don't. If you're going to live in the world, go go do it in the world's way. Yeah. Why go to hell half halfway? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go to hell, you might as well do it all the way. Some people, well, you know, my good's going to do my bad. No, that's not the way it works. Okay, today we all. With all urgency, urgency, we need to stand on God's word. To be true to your confession of the word. Stand tough, for the coming of the Lord is imminent, and his reward is with him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Our redemption draweth nigh. This concludes the Old Testament books. And next week we will start on the New Testament just to get... Just like we did uh, the old time, we're just going to get a little synopsis of each one. And then if there's something that, especially in the New Testament, when we get to the epistles, we're going to start opening those up more and discuss those. Because that's where our foundation lies. Amen. Oh, you have something. He's... I'm waiting to hear about which two. Which two? What? All this, and you want to know about two naked people in the Bible. I want to know which two prophets you and he say there's two of them. I want to know which two. Either you can do it or Dan can do it. I'm on you. Let's so. see, see if I can remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we know it says Isaiah. We got to dig in. I'm not sure of Ezekiel. I will look it up again. I'll keep you on your toes. Some of you are going to go through the Bible trying to find naked people. 
That's not what it's about. No, I'm just telling you, I know about the day, the night, when the Pastor, the night. night, well, because we had three and a half months where we met every night, didn't we, Brian, except Sunday night. And I remember the sermon that Pastor taught on on that, and I had never heard it before. And so now today he's telling us there was two prophets that, that you know, that God told them to undress and walk through the streets with nothing on. I only know of one. I guess I'll get my big surprise. Dan says there's it, another it one too. Guy. I'm, not, I, I'm not too sure. I know it's the tall guy. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Those out there, we had a real good time in praise and worship today. And we got drunk in the Holy Ghost. So you're just going to have to understand where we're at. Praise God. Um, <laughs> um, Hallelujah. I just, that was, I was very surprised the first time I heard it because I've read through the Old Testament many times and never found it. And pastor certainly did, and it was true. Sobered me right up from being drunk in the Holy Ghost that night. I got to tell you, Dan's out here looking, checking out, finding it. Pastor will let you know next week, so don't miss next week. I will keep on him till he gets it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Did you all learn all something right. today? Does anybody have any testimonies they want to share where God has really blessed you super abundantly above all that you dared ask or think? I'm going to tell you, the more you testify, this is the truth. This is going to sound really weird, but the more you'll get. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but it happens that way. Pardon? It's giving God honor. It's giving God honor and glory. So anybody want to share? So let's all stand. Next week we'll have the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Write the names of the Old Testament in order. <laughs> or I'll give you the I'll give you the list and you write down synopsis of each one. Okay, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Father God, who dwells within us, Father God, will activate, Father God, regenerate, Father God, give us greater revelation, Father God, to that which we've heard. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you, Lord, that we are blessed coming in and going out. I thank you, Lord, as we go out, we can bless others that we come in contact today and all week. In Jesus' name, amen.